Take your Bibles, please. Go to two places. Put a marker in Joshua chapter number 6. You thought I was going to say Hebrews 11, didn't you? We're going to go there next, all right? But put a marker in in Joshua 6 because we're going to go there in the middle of the lesson. And we'll start our reading, of course, in Hebrews 11. Uh, But we'll get to the book of Joshua. Joshua is one of those books that's just fun to read because of uh, the the people of God moving forward, having victory. Amen. And uh, just, you know, the... and looking at types in the scripture, the promised land is not a picture of heaven. It's a picture of the victorious Christian life. Can't be heaven because they fought battles in the, new, in, in the promised land. We won't fight any battles in heaven. That's all done. Amen? Uh, but there it's, it's being in the, the will of God and following God. And, and that's what you see in the book of Joshua. We'll see a little bit of that today. Uh, but in, in Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We've been talking about lessons of faith. We've gone through a lot of different Bible characters. In our last lesson, we'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute, we talked about lessons of faith from the promised land, just what the people of God experienced as they made that transition. Uh, and we see in all of these stories, and we'll see it again today, the truth of Romans 1.17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I've said it probably in every one of these lessons, but the hardest thing we as believers do, especially after we've been saved a while, is to walk by faith. Because our human nature is to want to figure it out. We want to do what makes sense to us, and most of the time, God's way doesn't make sense. You've just got to accept it. And and, and we looked at uh, verse number 30. Let's go ahead and read there. Actually, we'll back up to verse number 28 and go down through verse number 30. Through faith he kept the Passover. Of course, that's talking about uh, Moses and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they, that's the children of Israel, passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, the same to do, were drowned. And then verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. We talked last time, uh, two weeks ago, about the lessons of faith from the promised land and how that uh, they were praising God for what he had done. They had built the monuments. Uh, they built the one monument on the, the side of the river. Then they built another monument in the middle of the Jordan River that God had parted. And uh, we talked about the fact that when they praised God for what he had done, it was noticed by others. Um, it allowed God to work in their lives. It allowed God to work in the lives and hearts of their enemy. We'll see that one a little bit today. And uh, Israel avoided the battles that they did not know that were waiting for them. God led them a particular way. When God led the children of Israel uh, to the, from the Red Sea to Kadesh Barnea, He did not lead them the quickest way. Because the quickest way would have been through the land of the Philistines. And they were not yet ready to fight the Philistines. Aren't you glad God detours you around some things? We don't like the delay. 
Uh, Pastor and I were talking this morning about his wonderful day, Friday, going to the hospital and not finding a parking place. And he said, I, I, I have a challenge. I'm challenged when it comes to this area of patience. I just kept my mouth shut. I didn't want to say amen or oh me at that moment because it would testify as to my behavior. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I've said often, my problem is I'm in a hurry and God's not. Amen. How many times does scripture just say in the process of time? I don't like that. I want it now. But anyway, uh, they, they avoided some things because God took them. Uh, then we saw their, their, their separation uh, from the world when they went back to, to circumcising the way God had commanded. And the Bible says it removed the reproach of the world from them. But once they crossed the Jordan, Brother Mike, I think it's really interesting. God doesn't mention the faith of crossing Jordan in this chapter. I would have listed it, but I'm not the one who wrote the Bible. Uh, i just tell you what it says, amen? Uh, but God didn't list that as faith. And it may be because 40 years before they had a lack of faith, and that's why they wandered for 40 years. Uh, but when they crossed the Jordan, the manna stopped. For 40 years, every day, except the Sabbath day, God rained bread from heaven. Every evening, He gave them uh, quail to eat stopped when they crossed the Jordan. Uh, we saw in the last lesson that uh, it means God does not always work in your life today the way he did in the past. Uh, he was going to deal with them differently. Now they had to plant crops. Well, they couldn't do that when they were wandering in the wilderness. Uh, they had to wait for a harvest. When God deals differently with us, it does not mean he's angry with us. It doesn't mean he doesn't desire to bless us. Can you imagine having the blessing every day, going out and having your food for the day delivered? Long before there was Uber Eats, God <laughs> delivered the meal every day. You know, and, and that's just the way it worked. But now things were going to be different. Uh, I think sometimes it's, it's, it's like our children when they grow up and, and they leave our home to go to Bible college or wherever, and now all of a sudden they have to work a job and they have to take care of themselves. It's not mom and dad taking care for them. Children of Israel had to grow up when they crossed over the Jordan River. Uh, they now had to start doing some things that God expected of them. It means he was going to work differently in their lives. The man of seas, they were in the promised land. Uh, they were going to have to, think about this, they moved into to, to cities they did not build. They were now going to have to care for buildings. Um, you know, any of you that have rented a house and then you buy a house, you find out the difference. Because now if the furnace breaks, you have to pay for it. Amen? Uh, yesterday I was helping my son-in-law trying to repair the garage door when one of the springs broke. By the way, that is dangerous work. Just stay away from it, okay? And we worked at it long enough to mess it up just enough. We have a professional coming tomorrow morning. So... <laughs> Can I get a witness? I'm not allowed to do plumbing because if I do plumbing, we will be calling a plumber. That's just the way that works. I'm not good at that stuff. I'm good at tearing stuff down, but they were going to have to care for buildings. They were going to have to plant crops. And one of the lessons of the promised land, I'll say this just before we get into the new, new thoughts for today, is when you cross into the promised land, they had to learn to have faith, to be committed to the things of God and the way of God. They had to trust the Lord. They had to have faith to follow God when He leads differently. 
Let's look at verse number 30 once again. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. We're going to look this morning at lessons of faith from the battle of Jericho. And I don't think I prayed earlier. Let's go ahead and do that. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word this morning. And while these are familiar passages and these are stories we know pretty well, would you help us this morning as we look at them once again to have a mind that's attentive and a heart that is open to hear from you today. We ask you to speak to us. I pray you'd speak to me first of all, then through me, and help us to learn today how to walk more closely to you by faith. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It says here that by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. I'm just going to jump right into some things, some, some thoughts, uh, lessons of faith from this story. And, and I'm going to word it this way. Strength of faith is evidenced when we believe God when it doesn't appear to have any chance of success. Can you imagine being one of the children of Israel? You get to the first city you've got to, to conquer in the promised land. It's the city of Jericho, a, a place that had huge walls, which was common in those days. That's, by the way, the, I, I think some people in our country need to read the book of Joshua. The way you protect a city was with walls. Not real hard to figure out. But you, they would build these giant walls. And you had to come through a gate. People could come in. They just had to come through the gate. I'm going to stay with my notes or I'm going to get sidetracked. Really? <laughs> Squirrel! But anyway. Uh, but think about the battle plan. Can you imagine being the children of Israel and having Joshua come to you and tell you the battle plan? Let's go over to the book of Joshua chapter 6. And uh, we'll look there in verse number 1. Joshua 6 and verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. So you get the, the setting. The children of Israel crossed over the, the Jordan River. They get to the city of Jericho. Jericho has all their gates closed. The guards are watching on the wall and they're afraid of the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war. Now if you stop right there, I can see what's going on in the mind of all the men of war of Israel. All right, we're going to knock the gates down. We're ready for battle. But that's not what God says. Let's look what he, he continues here. Um, he says, in verse 3, you shall come past the city, ye men of war, and go around the city once. And thus shalt thou do six days. Now wait a minute, here's the battle plan. You're going to just all line up and march around the wall. Then you're going to go back to your tent. And tomorrow, you're going to do it again. Doesn't that sound like a great battle plan? I'm sure they teach that at, at, you know, at, at all the war colleges. I'm sure that's the number one way to conquer a city. Just walk around it once every day. But that was God's plan. And verse number uh, four, And the, the seven priests shall bear before the ark seven uh, trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you should compass the city seven times. And the priest shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. 
And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant. Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. Can you imagine this? You've got this army. Uh, you've, you've got this procession every day. For, for these, the, the first six days, they would do it this way. You would have the armed men. Then you would have the guys with the trumpets. Uh, and, and then you have the Ark of the Covenant being borne upon the shoulders of the priest. And then we find, if you go down a little further, you have what they call the rear reward or the rear guard that followed behind. And those were the ones that were not armed, but they carried the, the baggage and the things for the men and the women and the children. The battle plan was to walk around the city once on the first day. Once on the second day, once on the third day. Um, and, and they just kept doing this for, for, for six days. The seventh day, they were going to walk around it seven times. Can you imagine being a soldier in the children of Israel and getting that instruction from Joshua? But Joshua, how is that going to conquer a city? But God had said in verse 2, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho. God was reminding them, I'm going to work in a way that does not make sense. And when it happens, everyone will know I did it, not you. God does not share his glory with anyone. The walls of the city of Jericho were not going to fall down by themselves. They weren't in disrepair and crumbling. And they weren't, you know, just blowing a trumpet wasn't going to knock a wall down naturally. It, they didn't fall because of natural decay. They didn't fall because the Israelites rushed the wall and pushed it. They fell down flat because God knocked them down. Amen. Just like he parted the Red Sea, just like he had parted the Jordan, uh, just like he had, had caused uh, Pharaoh to let them leave with the wealth of Egypt, it was God that was going to do it. It was only by their faith that it would happen. Faith in God often does not make sense. The reason God talks about the battle of Jericho is because it had nothing to do with the military might of Israel. It didn't matter how good the soldiers were in this battle. What mattered is they followed the commands of God and trusted Him to do what He could do. You see, faith in God is that way in your Christian life. Your day-by-day -day Christian life does not make sense if it's a life lived by faith. It doesn't make sense to tithe. It doesn't make sense to take extra of your money and give a love offering or, or to give to missionaries. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense from a human perspective to take most of your day Sunday and set it apart to come to church and have somebody open a book that you never saw the person who wrote it and listen to it being taught to you and determined to live your life by what that book says. That doesn't make sense. It happens only by faith. It doesn't make sense to trust God for what you don't understand. It does not make sense to trust a God you cannot see. But remember what our verse says in Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The whole purpose of the 40 years in the wilderness was to teach Israel it's never going to be your way, it's going to be God's way. He made it to where for 40 years they had to follow God daily. 
They had to trust God daily for their food. Isn't it interesting that they did that for 40 years, and when Jesus was asked, Lord, teach us to pray, he taught us not words to repeat, but concepts of prayer, outlines of prayer. One of the things we're to pray for is, is for our daily bread. Just as the children of Israel were to follow God day by day and trust Him for their sustenance, you and I as believers are supposed to do that day by day. Not to trust our job, that can be gone tomorrow. Not to trust our health, that can be gone tomorrow. We're to trust Him. Uh, Psalm 27, 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's why it's called faith. I can't see it, but I'm going to trust God. Lessons of faith from uh, the, the, the battle of Jericho, first of all, strength of faith is evidence when we believe God, when it doesn't appear to have a chance of success. And second of all, when our actions of faith do not seem to be having any effect. You imagine being in the children of Israel the first day you march around the wall, nothing happens. Next morning, y'all line back up. I mean, here's the, here's the soldiers. They're lining up first. And then next of all to them, you have the priests with the trumpets, seven guys blowing horns, making noise. Uh, th- that's where Brother Saul would be. He'd back there with a the trumpet, amen. And, uh, and, and then the, the, the Ark of the Covenant with the priests. And then you had everybody else behind them. And you get up and you walk around once. And then you go back to whatever else you do for the rest of the day. You do that again the next day. And the next day. It probably was pretty cool the first day. But Gene, it might even be fun the second day. Let's see what happens today. But after about the third or fourth day and nothing's happening, and all the people from Jericho's just watching you, like those people are crazy. You see guys up there with bows and arrows ready to shoot you, and all you're doing is walking around. The fifth day, the sixth day. And then Joshua reminds them, okay, today's going to be different. We're going to do that seven times. And, uh, and so sure enough, uh, you walk around there. You know, much of the Christian life is exactly that way. You see, those first six days were just tedious obedience. That defines most of the Christian life. Most of our Christian life is not up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus watching the Shekinah glory breaking through the prison bars of His flesh. Most of the day... Is walking on dirty roads, getting your feet dusty, watching Jesus teach, watching him do whatever. It's not the glory. We like the big days at church. We like the spectacular. But most of the Christian life's not spent there. I love mountaintops, but most of the Christian life's spent in the valley. It's interesting when Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain and they saw Jesus transfigured before them and they saw him in his glory. Peter said, it is good for us to be here. Well, duh. And what they want to do? They wanted to build tabernacles and stay there. And Jesus said, no, we've got to go back in the valley. That's where the people are. Much of our Christian life is just obedience. We obey today. Then we obey again tomorrow. And we obey again the day after that. Even when it doesn't appear to have any effect, we're to keep keep living day by day a life of faith. I've been thinking all week, and this morning I was listening to a little bit of it, a message by Dr. Jack Hiles, a sermon called Duty. One of his most amazing sermons. It takes this text from from Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep the commandments. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Much of the Christian life is just doing 
what we're supposed to do. Sometimes, when you first get saved, you couldn't get enough of your Bible. I remember getting in trouble in a public high school because I was so excited about reading my Bible. I would go to, to history class, and they would give us about half the class to read our history book. Well, the first week of class, I read the entire book, so I thought I was good for the semester. I did. I just read the whole thing. I'm one of the few people you've ever met who read the entire World Book Encyclopedia. One summer, 1972, I read the entire thing from A to Index. I have so many worthless facts up in my head, just, and they pop out at the weirdest times. My kids say, Dad, why do you know that? Like, I don't know. So I'm sitting there in class, and he gave us this, this time to read our history books. I had already read it. So I'm sitting there with my Red Schofield Bible right in the middle of my history book. I'll never forget, all of a sudden, I felt a presence behind me. My history teacher was named Mr. McDougal. He was six foot five big moose of a man and he's just leaning over my desk the light got blocked out because of all that massive humanity and he goes <clears throat> I said yes sir I said what you reading I said my bible what are you gonna say he sees it right there you're supposed to read your history book i said i already read it but i told you to read that i already read it let me read it again i don't read this book so what'd you do i kept reading my bible uh but remember when you first got saved you couldn't you couldn't get enough of it how was it this week? Remember when you first got saved? A, a team of wild horses couldn't keep you away from church. You'd come to preacher and say, when are we having a revival meeting? I want to come to church more. Now we can't get you to come Sunday night? The Christian life, for the most part, is just us doing our duty. We read our Bible not because it speaks to us every time. We ought to want it to. But the reality of the Christian life, there are times you're going to read your Bible and it doesn't feel like anything's happening. You pray and don't see an immediate answer to prayer. So what do you do? You keep praying. You keep reading your Bible. I'm not going to ask you to, uh, to raise your hands. Please don't. But you come to Sunday school and you hear the teacher teach and you're like, well, I didn't get anything out of that. Please don't raise your hands, all right? <laughs> not today. Maybe last week, but not today. But you come and, yeah, whatever. Our tendency, because of our society and the way we're built, if it stops being fun, we stop doing it. It's a danger when we build the things in our Christian life and what we do at church because it's fun. There's not one verse in your Bible that tells you to live right because it's fun. It's usually going to cause persecution. Ask Stephen, if standing for God was fun, it wasn't the day he was stoned to death. Amen. Ask Paul if being a, a missionary, church planner, evangelist, whatever you want to call him, was fun. Being shipwrecked, stoned, left for dead, imprisoned. No, we do what we're supposed to because we're supposed to. Uh, it's duty. You do right because it's right to do right. Isn't that what Dr. Bob Jones he used to say? Do right till the stars fall. Just do right. It's always right to do right. Why do we go to church? Because we're supposed to. You may come to church and honestly get nothing out of the service. Now, usually that's because we didn't come ready to get something from the service. Anytime that book's open, we ought to get something. No matter who's preaching. But there are days we'll come and honestly, we don't get much. But there's somebody at church that sees us. Says, well, thank God brother so-and-so's here. Sister so-and-so's here. Man, they're always here. What an encouragement. 
You don't know what it means for the pastor when he stands up and looks in your spot in the auditorium and you're there where you're supposed to be. He may never say a word to you, but that encourages him more than you can ever know. Faithfulness. Uh, that fact of just doing what you're supposed to do. Your children watch that. They know when maybe you're struggling spiritually and honestly you don't want to go to church that day. But you go. I think God, at home where I grew up, it was never a question. Dad, we going to church tonight? That wasn't an option. If the doors were open at church, we were there. Praise God for that. Why do you do right? Because you're supposed to. For six days, children of Israel walked around, and it didn't look like anything was happening. Just wait till the seventh day. How many times in our Christian life do we stop on day six when God's getting ready to do something on day seven that only he could do? Children of Israel had to just keep doing by faith what they were commanded to do even when it didn't look like it was ever going to happen. We saw that early in the life of Moses. At age 40, it came into his heart, Acts 7 says, to do something for the children of Israel, to deliver them. He tried it at 40. It didn't work. He failed. So what he, do? he had to flee for his life, goes to the backside of the desert and was a shepherd for the next 40 years. You imagine Moses for those 40 years. Did I misunderstand God? He told me this was going to happen. I tried it. It didn't work. But I know God said to do it. Then you get to Exodus chapter 3 when God speaks to him out of a burning bush. And then God did things that Moses would have never thought possible. You see, the key in the life of Moses, and we see it repeated here, Moses hadn't wasted time obeying God and acting on his faith. God had to bring in a new Pharaoh. God had to change Egypt. And he had to change Moses. And he had to change the children of Israel before all of that that God willed would happen. The same thing happens here in Joshua chapter 6. God had to change Israel to be willing to just follow him. And so just like for 40 days, they'd wandered in the wilderness following the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. Now for six days, they're following the guys walking around the, 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 the city of Jericho. On the seventh day, they do it seven times, and then God happens. In our Christian life, that's the way it is. Just keep marching, keep obeying. If it hasn't yet happened like God told you it was, just keep obeying. Your faith is having a fact that you do not even know about. Just keep marching. Uh, I, I mentioned it two weeks ago. As a church, we're praying for a property, and we've looked at buildings and trying to figure out what we can do. Honestly, from a human perspective, we'll never figure it out. But just keep obeying, keep doing every Sunday what we're supposed to do, uh, and just keep doing what we're supposed to do, and then God will do what He does. God may be working in your life in a way right now. He's orchestrating some things that you don't see as possible. I love the thought that's worded in a song, while we are waiting, He is working. When they sent the spies into Jericho, and we'll talk about it when we talk about uh, Rahab in the next lesson. Rahab related to the men, 
to the spies. Our hearts melted because of what God did for you. Isn't it interesting? The children of Israel were afraid to cross into Kadesh Barnea, into the promised land, because they were afraid of the people of the land. Yet when the people of the land had heard about the Red Sea, they feared Israel because of what their God had already done. That's why it's important in our Christian life to constantly talk about what God's doing in our lives. Man, when you go to work, if God's done something miraculous in your life, you need to tell everybody you know at work that. Why? Because when they have a difficulty, they're going to remember the Christian that works where they work. So, man, he brags about what his God does. I wish I had a God like that. Amen? Just keep obeying God when it doesn't look like your action of faith isn't having effect. Third thing I see, the strength of faith is evidenced when not only it doesn't appear to be having success, it's, it's evidenced when our actions of faith don't seem to be having an effect. But third, learn to obey God in the middle of the battle. Go back to Joshua chapter 2, if you will. This is the story of the spies, and we're not saying a whole lot about this right now because we need to save some of that for next week, amen? But in Joshua 2, in verse number 18, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's house home unto thee and it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thine house into the street his blood shall be upon his head and we will be guiltless and whosoever shall be with thee in thine house his blood shall be on our head if any hand be against him learn to obey God in the middle of battle they were told when they went into the battle there's going to be one house that's going to have a red cord hanging out of a window leave that one alone why because that's where Rahab lived and she had helped them And so God said, I'm going to spare you. The thought is this. A family was spared because Rahab obeyed God's commandment. What she did, she put a cord in the window. God had extended mercy to her family. Uh, The second thing we see in the midst of battles in chapter 7. Let's go there. Verses 1 through 5. Actually, we'll go back to chapter 6, verse 18. We'll read a couple verses here, then go to 7. 6, 18. And ye in any ways keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed, when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So he said, don't mess with any of that. You get to chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass and the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Gemri, the son of Zabdi, uh, the, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took of the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth on the east side of Bethel, and spake of them, saying, Go up and view the country. And they went up and viewed Ai, and they returned unto Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up. Uh, and let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to go labor thither, for there but few. So there went up thither of the, the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the, the men of Ai, and the men of Ai smote them, 
about 30 and 6 men, for they chased them from before uh, the gate unto Shembarim, and smote them in the going down. Therefore the, ch- the hearts of the people melted and became as water. We see that they had gone into to Jericho. We know it was Achan who took of the, the Babylonian garments. He took the gold, he took the silver. We find Joshua now, he sends a small army up to Ai, and they have defeat. Just 3,000 men went up. 36 men died. Why? Because somebody had sinned. Verse number 10, look at it there of chapter 7. And the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel hath sinned. They also have transgressed my covenant which I command them, for they have even taken of the cursed thing and have, stolen, have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Think of this, here's Joshua, he's on his face praying before God, and God tells Joshua, get up, it's not time to pray. The reason Israel lost is because I'm dealing with sin in the camp. Judgment came because of disobedience in the middle of the battle. We live in a society where we think there's no consequences for anything, we get by with anything. But, you, but the Bible does still tell us in, in the book of Galatians chapter number 6, verse number 5, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. Notice the Bible says Israel hath sinned. Well, the truth is one man sinned. But God held a nation accountable for it. Chapter uh, 7, down in verse number 20, finally Achan admits, I indeed have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. He saw, he coveted, he took, he hid. The nation lost in battle because they were not obedient in battle. There was sin in the camp that had to be dealt with. Sin has consequences. In our Christian life, we must learn to keep clear accounts with God. I would not want the church where I'm a member to be cursed of God because of my actions in the battle. But God held a nation accountable because of one man's sin. Uh, that's why it's, it's good to be, be clean and pure before the Lord. Amen? And uh, I'm going to just quickly give you the last thought. Um, lessons of faith. The last one we see here in this battle, battle of, of Jericho is that God elevated a leader because Israel obeyed. Go back to Joshua chapter 3, if you will. Joshua 3, verse number 7. This is when they crossed over Jordan. They're getting ready for Jericho. In Joshua 3, verse 7, The Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Chapter 4, verse number 14. On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him and they, as they feared Moses all the days of his life. Joshua became known as a great leader. He's the one that caused them to conquer the land. How did that happen? Because the people, by faith, obeyed the commands of God. Uh, Go to Joshua chapter 5. Just before they they were to start marching around the walls of Jericho, notice what God says to them in verse number 13, Joshua 5, 13. It came to pass... When Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. 
And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his, his servants? And the, the captain of the Lord's host said, said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. The captain of the host, you know who that is. That's Jesus. Now here's the point. Just as back in Exodus chapter 3, Moses had to learn it wasn't Moses that was going to deliver Israel. Remember when he said, who am I that I should deliver the Lord's people? And God never answered the question. And finally when when God says, you're going to go, and he says, who do I say sent them? The I am hath sent you. The I am that I am. The Lord has sent you. Now Joshua's learning the same lesson. He's learning he's not in charge. God is. In Joshua 1.5, God had said to Joshua, after he told him, Moses, my servant is dead, now therefore rise and go over this Jordan. He says in verse 5, Joshua 1, and there shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee and will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Joshua had to learn what Moses learned and what the people of Israel needed to learn. It was not Moses that delivered Israel, it was God. It was not Moses that parted the Red Sea, it was God. It was not Moses that provided the manna, it was God. It was not Moses that brought water out of the rock, it was God. It was, it was the great I am, Exodus 3.14, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am, and he said, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am that I am hath sent you. Joshua had to learn it wasn't he that had parted the Jordan River, and it was not he that was going to knock the walls down in Jericho. It was God. The people followed Joshua not because of who Joshua was. They followed Joshua because Joshua followed the captain of the Lord's host. He followed the Lord. Quickly, three things that have jumped out to me when looking at this story. They believed God's plan. They obeyed God's instructions, and they experienced God's blessings. The same could be true in our life this week if we would just walk by faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for these examples here. Thank you for the children of Israel and how you worked with them at Jericho. May we have the kind of Christian life that causes us to move forward when it doesn't make sense, when it doesn't look like anything's really happening. Help us to trust you for the victory. And to follow you as our leadership follows you. And Father, help us to just day by day be obedient and walk in faith. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.